Hey, Faith Church family. As you can see, I'm not here this weekend. I'm actually in New Jersey ministering at another church, but I'm leaving you in the good, capable hands of our newest member of our family, Pastor Kayshawn Joseph, my son-in-law-to-be. Would you receive him with a great big Faith Church welcome as he comes? Amen. Will we just go before the Lord? Amen. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this hour that you have chosen and predestined for the foundation of the world. Lord, we are praying right now in this moment that you would open up our ears and our hearts to receive your word. Father, give revelation, knowledge, and understanding and wisdom concerning your word. Father, uh, anoint these lips of clay that I may speak the word of God. And Lord, let it change someone's life. Let it impart life into them and strengthen to them. In Jesus' name, we praise and thank you. Thank God Almighty. Let everyone say amen. You can be seated in, in, in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Giving honor to God who is my life. Amen. Thank you, Ron. I'm going to need you for a second. Stay right there. Stay right there. I'm going to need you for a second. Amen. They threatened me, told me if I had to uh, sing something. Amen. But I just want to give honor to God. Amen. And to the great pastor, your great pastor in his absence, Pastor Frank Centura. Can we clap our hands for him? Amen. To, um, to my fiance. Amen. Pastor Nicole. Amen. Sweet to be Pastor Nicole Joseph. Amen. To all of you, minors do. Amen. I'm grateful to God. Amen. For his goodness toward me. Uh, what key is that? Let me see. Uh, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promise just to know the saith the lord one more time tis so sweet to trust in jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know the safe the lord jesus jesus how i trust him Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove him, oh, and oh, Jesus, Jesus. Precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. I will build my life 
upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken. Can you me sing it? Come open up your mouth. I will build my life upon your life. Come on, sing. stop, y'all stop, y'all stop, y'all stop, y'all stop, y'all stop, y'all leave me alone, St. John chapter 4, y'all leave me alone, y'all hear me, St. John chapter 4, I will build my life upon your love, it is a firm foundation I will put my trust in you. All right. And I will not never be shaken. Never be shaken. You got St. John chapter 4 when you have it. Just stand up on your feet. St. John chapter 4. Amen. I have some product with me today. Amen. That I want to uh, tell you about. Amen. I have two books here. I'm an author. Amen. I've been blessed and published two books. Amen. And so I have them for sale today. Amen. My first book is called The Church with the Issue of Blood. Amen. If you want to know what's wrong with my kids, what's wrong with my grandkids, what's so different about the generations, if you're a, if you're a youth and you want to know what's wrong with my parents, why are we so different, and how can we bridge the gaps to bring revival to every generation? Amen. This book is for you. And so I go into what are the millennials, what are the boomers, what is Gen X, amen, what are the differences, and how we can bring revival, amen, to every generation by the power of God. So that's for sale. Amen. And then this is my second book. Amen. It, uh, this is my baby. Amen. This is God of our fathers. Amen. How many of you want to move in the supernatural? Want to move in signs and wonders? You want God to use you and laying hands on the sick and casting the devil out and moving in the power of God? How many hands? All right. All right. All right. Amen. Listen, this book is for you then. Amen. This book is about three men of God. Amen. Three uh, men of color. Amen. Black men that God used. Amen. In the power of God. One thing I love about Faith Church, this is a truly multicultural church. 
I've never been made to feel weird here. Amen. I've never, I can't say that about everywhere. Amen. But I thank God that we welcome everybody from everywhere. And one thing we've learned here is that the spirit of God has no color. Doesn't matter where you are, where you're from. God can use anybody, any race, any creed. Amen. And so this book is a testimony to that. These three men of God moved in the power of God. I mean, moved in signs and wonders. There are testimonies in this book of people that were youth at the time that are still healed to this day, got healed in the revival meetings. Amen. They held crusades in Madison Square Garden. And, um, one of these men, Dr. Brian Moser, he's from Connecticut. Amen. And, and blazed a trail in the prophetic ministry. Amen. I'm telling you this because it's not just dead history. Amen. But people that have read this book, amen, have told me that the, that it has activated a new level of faith in them, that they have seen the supernatural begin to follow them in their ministry as they prayed. Amen. And so this is the book for you if you're interested in that. Amen. And if you're into that kind of thing, amen, this book got archived twice. Amen. For its historical relevance and because it presents something that was not written before. Amen. It's in the Schomburg Center of Harlem. It's in the Flower Pentecostal Heritage Center. Amen. And so it has gone very far. And so if you want to get this book, amen, I'll be in the lobby after service. Amen. And you can get that. Amen. 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 All right. You have St. John chapter four. Let's go to the word of God. Amen. Let's go to the word of God. Amen. St. John chapter number four. I'm going to be reading from the NIV beginning at verse four. It says this. Now he, meaning Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Amen. Let's skip down to... Amen. Keep reading uh, verse 13. It says this. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Amen. It will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Amen. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, watch this now. Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, plural. And the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Amen. And I want you to skip down to verse 28 really quickly. It says this. uh, Then leaving her water jar, the women went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. My emphasis is going to be coming from that 28th verse from this whole passage. Amen. And my subject for this morning is just simply leave your jar. Amen. Leave your jar. Amen. Take your seats in Jesus name. 
Amen. We're continuing with the series. Amen. He amazes me. Pastor Frank has been doing a tremendous job with explaining the miracles of Jesus, the supernatural power of God. Amen. And all the great things of God. And so one of the things that we have to learn, there is a mindset and a belief system that you must have in order to move in the spirit of God. Amen. And so my desire here is not to just tell you about the miracles of God and tell you about the power of God, but teach you how to get to that place in God. Amen. Each gospel has unique features that is built upon to make its point more clear. Amen. And so the gospel of St. John is different in that it has a unique feature in that Apostle John has this interesting focus on water. He has a very interesting focus on water. If you read St. John chapter 1, we are introduced to John who is baptizing in water. St. John chapter 2, Jesus turns water into wine. St. John chapter 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born of the water and of the spirit. St. John chapter 4, Jesus meets the woman at the well of water. St. John chapter 5, amen, they're sitting at the pool of Bethesda where Jesus works a miracle. Amen. St. John chapter 7, Jesus says, whoever believes on me, it shall be in him like a, a well of living water come out of his belly. Amen. So there is an interesting focus on water in the gospel of John. Amen. And so that being said, uh, John is also clear in the unique qualities of the Lord as compared to the Holy Spirit. Now, the thing is, Jesus never himself says in the Bible, I am living water. Jesus says, I give living water. I'll say that again. Jesus never says that I am the living water. Jesus says that I give the living water. And the reason why he says that is because he establishes himself as unique to the office of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is unique in comparison to the other. And so there is a reason why the water is attributed to the Spirit, because there are certain things that the Holy Spirit could do that Jesus could not do in his physical body. Amen. He told the disciples, I must go away and I will go away and the Holy Spirit will come unto you. So let's consider what characteristics of water are like the Spirit. First of all, the first point is that the Spirit, like water, it fills whatever it is put into. It does not matter how unique the shape or the vessel is, no matter what kind of jar you have, some of them are curved or some of them are shaped in different ways and all kinds of uh, customized ways. When you pour water in it, water is not going to stop until it has filled every portion of the vessel. Amen. And so there is no such thing as being somewhat filled with the spirit. Somebody say amen. 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 There's no such thing as being somewhat filled with the spirit. There's no such thing as being partially filled with the spirit of God. Amen. The Holy Ghost only moves in fullness. If he has not filled it, he's not in it. Amen. You cannot choose how much Holy Ghost you get to have. You don't get to choose if you want 20%, 40%, 60%. Amen. The Holy Ghost is going to fill in whatever it is he gets into. Amen. You cannot catch the Holy Ghost. I don't know where that idea came from. Amen. The Holy Ghost is not the common cold. He's not the flu. He's not something you catch, amen, because if you catch it, you can give him back, amen. The Holy Ghost, amen, he comes and he fills and he occupies whatever vessel he is welcomed into, amen. That is the first thing. So he fills whatever he's put into. Secondly, the spirit like water cannot be constrained or held down. Now, I don't know if you were like me, but when I was a kid and I would run the faucet, I would try to take my hand and grab the water. Anybody ever try to do that? Don't leave me out there by myself. Don't make me look crazy. Try to grab the water. Like I would try to grab it and see. And every time I try to grab at that water, it would escape right through my hands. It would move right past me. And so one thing that we have to understand is that the Holy Ghost is not limited to just what you can grasp or what fits into your mold. 
The Holy Spirit is not limited to what you can grasp or what you can understand or what fits into your mold. The Holy Ghost does not need your permission to operate. Amen. The Holy Ghost does not need your grasp in order to move. Amen. The Bible teaches us in Ephesians that God does exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Amen. So in other words, the Holy Ghost is not irrational, but the Holy Ghost is transrational. I say that again. The Holy Ghost is not irrational, meaning he don't tell you to do crazy things, but he is transrational. In other words, he goes beyond your understanding and beyond your limits. Somebody say amen. So we have established that. The third thing about water, the spirit like water is always moving. The spirit is always moving. When we're introduced to the spirit of God in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, the Bible says the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep, but the spirit of God was moving over the waters. So the first characteristic that we're introduced to of the Holy Ghost is movement. Amen. It is movement. Now we see in that text that I just brought up, you see that there is the Holy Spirit, there is movement, and there is water. Brothers and sisters, I will tell you this. If you're ever in the wild for some strange reason, amen, the safest water that you can drink is moving water, like a brook or something like that. If the water's running, that is the safest water to drink. And the reason why moving water is the safest to drink, because the movement keeps the water fresh. It keeps it fresh. The most dangerous water to drink is called still water. Because when the water is sitting still for a long amount of time, because it has not moved in so long, amen, it begins to accumulate bacteria and germs within it that it would have otherwise gotten rid of when it was moving. Somebody catching that? Amen. So the, the thing is that we struggle with God because we struggle with the idea of God moving. Amen. And we have to be careful not to get stuck in a rut when it comes to the spirit of God and how he moves. We have to let the Holy Spirit move. And we struggle with the idea of God moving because sometimes we think it means that God has changed. But it does not mean that necessarily. I will tell you this. God never changes, but he is always moving. Let me say that again. God never changes, but he's always moving. Amen. And so the problem is we wrestle with it because we think that when we say, okay, God is moving in this way now, that we think it invalidates our experience with God before or in the past. But it's not that God has changed or that your experience on one day was not real or true, but you have to understand that God is there yesterday, today, and tomorrow all at the same time. He moves in a circle called eternity. And so the Bible teaches us in John chapter 3 verse 5, Jesus says the wind blows where it lifts. You hear the sound thereof, but you don't know where it's coming or where it's going. So it's everyone that is born of the spirit if you want to move in the gifts of God if you want to move in the miraculous if you want to move in signs and wonders you got to know how to move I'll say that again if you want to move in signs and wonders you want to move in the spirit if you want to move in the things of God you got to know how to move do me a favor I'm not going to do a lot of this but just nudge your neighbor lightly and just say move you got to know how to move with God and know what God is doing here and now. And so we serve a God that knows how to move. And we see this embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. Amen. So when we see Jesus, we see the Father. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is not stationary. He's not just sitting still in one place or one city, but he's moving from place to place. Now, Jesus does not move randomly. He doesn't move just because he got bored. Amen. There is something that prompts Jesus to move, and we must pay attention to what makes him move. Jesus is always moved by need. 
Wherever there is a demand for him or wherever there is a need, that is what prompts Jesus to move. Amen. And so the Bible teaches us that he moves according to the needs of the people. If you want to get God to move in your life, brothers and sisters, I must ask you, have you shown God your need yet? Amen. Sometimes we like to hide it and keep things to ourselves. Amen. But if you want God to move in your behalf, you've got to show him what you have need of. And so the Bible says that he moves by need and he goes into a place. He's on a journey. Amen. He goes out of his way and moves into a place called Samaria in a place called Sychar and he sits down at a well until he meets someone that has a need. He comes across a Samaritan woman and he begins to converse with her. He begins to talk with her. Now, the thing that you will find if you read and study this text is that it was considered culturally inappropriate for a man to talk to a woman in public. In that time, it was considered inappropriate for a man to talk to a woman in public because they believed, there was a culture now, but culture believed that women were intellectually inferior to men and so therefore a man should never be talking to a woman in public. Men only talk to men and women talk to women, but men should not talk to women. Amen. And so we thank God that Jesus knew how to defy the culture and go against the odds and let every woman say amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And so he challenges that and he not only talks to this woman, but he begins to question her and he questions her because he believes in her intellect and he knows that women know something sometimes that men don't. Come on, somebody. Amen. Oh, y'all supposed to help me on that. Amen. 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 Don't bring that up, Nicole. Amen. Praise God. Amen. But Amen. So he begins to ask her questions and they begin to dialogue and he talks with her even though the culture says not to. Here becomes the first point. The first point is that the spirit of God exceeds culture. The spirit of God exceeds culture. Now, I need to tell you this. There is nothing wrong with having a culture. I'm not demonizing culture. There's nothing wrong with culture. We all have a culture that we come from. I have a culture. You have a culture. I'm not getting rid of my culture, and neither should you. Salvation does not save you from your culture. There's nothing wrong with having a culture or manner of cultural expression. There's nothing wrong with that. Culture testifies to the diversity that exists in the body of Christ. The Bible teaches us in Rome, uh, Revelation 7 and 9 that every tribe, Pastor Ronald, every tribe shall be represented at the throne of God. Every tribe, every language, every people of every kindred shall be represented at the throne of God. Amen. So your culture is not something to be saved from, but the thing is you got to understand that the spirit of God is greater than your culture. There's nothing wrong with having it, but understand that God is bigger than that. Amen. You have to understand that God is bigger than your manner of cultural expression. Now here's the thing. The Samaritans were considered to be half Jews. And if you ever read it and looked at it, they treated them, the Samaritans all kind of crazy. They treated them very badly. They were considered to be half Jews or inauthentic. And the reason why they were considered to be half breeds, because they were children of intermarriages outside of Judaism. The people that were of Samaria, they married people of other races, other tribes. They were in the northern kingdom. And so they married people and intermingled and they had children and those were the Samaritans. The Samaritans are also those that remained in the northern lands when the other Jews were carried off into slavery and captivity. So the Jewish people did not see the Samaritans as real Jews. They did not take them seriously. One thing you will learn about humanity of every culture and everywhere that has in common is differences. It is the weirdest thing. No matter where you go, people of every nation, everywhere you go, we know how to find differences. Sometimes in the most ridiculous forms that you can possibly think of, we know how to identify and separate people by differences. What do you mean differences? Amen. And so there's nothing wrong with having or noticing things. Amen. Nothing wrong with diversity. But when differences go unchecked, it can turn into prejudice. Ooh, it's quiet in here. 
When your differences go unchecked, it can turn into prejudice if you're not careful. And so the thing is, it's not limited to just the Jewish people. Amen. Many cultures have it. You have cultures that say dark skin versus light skin and blonde versus brunette versus black or people from the northern part of the country or people from the southern part of the country, people from the east coast, no people from the west coast. And one thing about us, we know how to find and identify differences. And the danger is, as we see in this text, the danger is when we try to make our culture religious doctrine. And that is where the Jewish people went wrong. They took their own biases against the Samaritans and made it a spiritual thing. And that is where it becomes toxic. When your culture blocks you from receiving or imparting from the Spirit of God, you are stuck in still water. Let me say that again. If your culture blocks you from receiving or imparting from people, you are drinking from still water. You're in a dangerous place. One thing I love about the Holy Ghost is that it does not matter what color you are. It does not matter where you're from. It does not matter your nationality. It doesn't matter who you are. Jesus says, as long as you believe on me, as the scripture says, if you can believe on Jesus like the scripture says, he says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. I don't know about you in here, but I don't care what color you are. If you've got the power of God, if you've got faith in God, I receive from you. Don't matter if you black, white, brown, purple, red. It doesn't matter what color you are. God can use you. God can anoint you and God can raise you up. Somebody shout hallelujah in the house. So the spirit is bigger than our culture and our cultural biases. The next thing is this. The spirit exceeds tradition. Tradition. Now there's nothing wrong with having traditions. The danger is understanding again, you have to remember the spirit of God is bigger than your tradition. Now, this is for us church kids, those of us that are born and raised in church, those of us that are religious, can be religious at times. Amen. We have to be careful because sometimes we can be raised to think that God is only in our church and nowhere else. Okay, y'all going y'all gonna to sit in here and lie. All right, anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. Sometimes you can be told, listen, God is in here. Don't go nowhere else. God is only moving here. The anointing is in this place. Don't you go nowhere else. And so sometimes we are tempted to live in a bubble almost, a religious bubble. And the Bible teaches us that the Jewish people did the same thing. They said, okay, God is on this mountain. No, the Samaritan said, no, no, God is on this mountain here. No, you got to worship over here. No, you got to worship over here. And so they have confined gods to mountains and to these boxes that they have put God in. But sometimes you got to realize that it is possible for God to be here and down the street at AG and at another church over there that God is omnipresent oh come on somebody God is omnipresent he can move on you and on me and on another church amen God is big enough to touch every one of us somebody shout hallelujah so the spirit is bigger than our traditions Jesus begins to minister to her and he begins to talk to her about the water that he gives and he says the water that I give you is going to spring up into everlasting life and so she says all right Jesus I want give me this water that I don't have to come back to this well anymore I want this water I want this water I want this water Jesus says to this he says all right you want this water go call your husband go call your husband now she decides to get cute she she tries to get sarcastic she says I don't have a husband I don't have a husband. Now, one thing I will tell you, never try to get sarcastic with God. God will take your eyebrows off. He will peel your wig back. I'm trying to tell don't, you. Don't do it. Don't get sarcastic with the omniscient God. Now, if he's asking you a question, it's for your own good. He already knows the answer, but I want to see what you got to say. So he says, go and call your husband. She says, I don't have no husband. He says, oh, okay, you don't. You right. You had five. And the one you're with right now is not even your man. This is some Jerry Springer stuff. I'm trying to tell you. He says, the one that you're with right now is not even your man. That's not your husband. Amen. And so she begins to deal with them. So this is the third point I must bring to you. The spirit of God exceeds lust. Oh, we coming down roads today. 
The spirit of God exceeds lust. Now, we're not shaming her. We're not condemning her. And then the fact of the matter is that she has six men. So clearly there was something going on. I'm not, I'm not trying to put her down. I'm not trying to, you know, read into it. But she has something going on with her flesh. Amen. And so with the clear love stuff, Jesus begins to talk to her. Even though there's lust going on, he begins to minister to her. And he begins to talk to her about worship. Isn't that interesting? He does not give her a condom. He does not say have safe sex. He doesn't give her a plan B. He doesn't do anything like that. He begins to minister to her about worship. And as he begins to talk to her and minister to her, he understands that the spirit, she does not properly understand the spirit of God. She doesn't understand worship. And then she is stuck in tradition and her spiritual life is dry. This is something I've been telling people all the time. And I pray that you receive this. A dry spiritual life will make thirsty flesh. A dry spiritual life will make thirsty flesh. When your spiritual life is dry and whack and no good, your flesh is going to act up. Amen. When your prayer life is no good, when you don't read your word, when you don't have a living relationship with God, it is going to mess with your flesh. Amen. It's not an issue that you're thirsty. Amen. Of course, you're going to be thirsty. But the question is, what are you filling the thirst with? Especially if you're wrestling with intimacy issues or lust issues, it is usually connected to a spiritual lack. And when you're not in relationship with God and when you're not living in your relationship with God, you're going to end up in relationship with somebody else. Six of them in her case. So, and I'm not, I'm not here to condemn anybody. Amen. There is grace for you. Amen. But you have to be careful to watch your spiritual life and make sure that your spiritual life is good. If you're wondering why, how can I get control over my flesh? How can I beat this addiction? How can I beat this habit? How can I control my lust? How can I control my eyes? What is your spiritual life like? Have you prayed this week? Do you talk to God? Do you read your word? Do you have relationship with God? Amen. Because if your spiritual life is dry, amen, your flesh is going to get thirsty. And a whole lot of times you'll think you're being spiritual and really you're just being sensual. She thought she had a relationship with God. She thought she understood worship until she met Jesus. Amen. And Jesus begins to undo her and begins to push her forward in her spiritual life. He says, you must worship God and worship him in the spirit and in truth. And it begins to transform her on the inside. And so after she tells the truth about the minute in her life and Jesus begins to confront her, Jesus begins to minister to her. And this is the point that I need you to get. He does not offer her another man. He does not offer her, as I said, a condom or anything like that. He does not shame her. He does not condemn her because the problem is not the thirst. The problem that she's having is not her thirst. The problem is the vessel. Let me say that again. The problem is not the fact that she's thirsty. The problem is the vessel. What is she using to quench the thirst? And the truth of the matter is, brothers and sisters, you don't need another hookup or connection. You just need a new vessel. The vessel that you're using, excuse my English, ain't good enough. Amen. The vessel that you're leaning on is not big enough for what you have thirst for. Amen. Jesus says there's a problem. If you drink this water with that little jar that you have, you're just going to keep thirsting again. Your jar isn't big enough for your thirst. Your jar isn't satisfying you. And I've come to let somebody know today whatever jar that you have whatever limitation that you have it's not big enough for what God wants to do in your life your shot glass ain't big enough your bong isn't big enough your tradition isn't big enough your bias isn't big enough your prejudice isn't big enough your abs aren't big enough Jesus said the water that I give is springing up into everlasting life in other words and this is the gospel point Jesus was not trying to take her to a well Jesus was trying to make her into a well oh hallelujah glory to God I feel my help now. Jesus was not trying to take her to a well. He said, I'm trying to make you the
the well. Oh, I wish somebody would throw your hands up and receive that in this moment. He says the water is going to spring up in you into everlasting life. This is not about nobody else. This is not about your husbands. This is not about your loved ones. I'm trying to make you a well. And how do we know that you're trying to make her a well? Because after she met Jesus, the Bible says she threw her jar to the side and ran into the city. I don't need a jar anymore. I don't need a cup. I don't need a glass. I don't need a bong. I've got Jesus. I am the well. Lay hands on yourself and say, I am the well. Praise him. Y'all can come. Lay hands on yourself one more time and say, I am the well. Brothers and sisters, you've got to leave your jaw behind. You've got to take the limit off of God. You've got to stop depending on others. You've got to stop deflecting. Oh, God have mercy. You've got to leave your bias aside and leave your tradition and begin to trust in the Lord and let God break your jaw. I know you've had it for a long time. I know you've got it, but take God out of the box. He wants to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in who? In you. Lay hands on yourself one more time and say, I am the well. Stand up on your feet. I feel the anointing of God in this room. God is getting ready to increase some of your capacity in here. God is getting ready to increase you in the anointing in this place. Some of you have been waiting on God. And God is getting ready to break some stuff off of you. He's getting ready to break some habits off of you. He's getting ready to transform your mind and your heart. Just begin to lift your hands and worship to God. I feel the anointing in the room. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Just begin to receive that. You are the well. You are the well. You are the well. You are the well. In Jesus. Jesus name you are the well you have more than enough there's enough in you there's enough oh by shot glory to God there's enough in you there's enough in you in the name of Jesus come on receive that receive that receive that glory hallelujah Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person here that's receiving this now. We thank you, God, that you're increasing our limits, that you're breaking the limits off of us, that you're breaking the habits off of us, that, Father, every ceiling that we put above ourselves, you are shattering the glass ceiling, and you are breaking us through in the anointing of God. We receive the fullness now. Come on, receive it. I feel it. Come on, begin to open up your mouth. I feel the anointing here. We receive the fullness now. We receive the fullness now. Be filled with the fullness of God. Be filled with the fullness of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, worship team. Come on, y'all. Pressing a little bit. Pressing a little bit. God is increasing you. God is increasing you. Bless your name, Jesus. Bless your name, Jesus.